like a, if we can put up that slide. Um, so for those of you who do not know me, my name is Hen Ray, married to my lovely wife sitting in the middle, Brigitta. And yeah, it's just amazing to be able to share with you guys tonight. Uh, we were away about 10 or 11 days now. So just want to say thank you for that. We weren't here for two Sundays. In the midst of this busy term, uh, we thought like, let's just break away a little bit and find Jesus and find one another a little bit. I think, um, yeah, that was really a privilege. And thank you for you guys allowing us to get away a bit. Um, and even in that time, I was just considering this message that I was about, I'm about to bring. And um, for those of you who weren't with us this past couple of weeks or even months, we are busy with a series called Acts 29. And for those of you who know um, the Bible, the, the book of Acts only have 28 chapters. And 29 speaks about that we are Acts 29, that we are a continuation of the church in the Bible, that we don't only want to read about them, but we want to live a life that's onto Jesus as they lived I think uh, Leonard mentioned in the first time, it's not just uh, this, like descriptive, but prescriptive as well. It's both sides that we read these stories, but there's also something that we can get from this and like, yes, Lord, come and do something in our hearts. We, want, we don't just want to be a church that meets on Sundays, but we want to really live this thing um, that you have destined for us to be a part of. So I want to read us a scripture, John 3, verse 16. To 18, and it says the following For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. I practiced this preach and I was crying the whole week. <laughs> God is on a rescue mission to save lost and dying people. The church of Jesus Christ of all the ages has always existed to be a missional people. A people that doesn't just live for, oh, yes, see. We said we're going to practice our crying, that we don't ugly cry in front of people. <laughs> um, and just preparing for today, there was just something that struck me like God loves the world. And that is why He gave His only Son to us. And it's not a thing that Jesus was like forced to come to the earth. I just you didn't prep this stuff. Jesus wasn't forced to come to the earth. Jesus didn't sit there and like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. But there was something in his heart of obedience to say, I want to. I want to. Because I love them as well. And Jesus came to die for us. And we have this privilege to somehow, some way, partake in this perfect relationship because of the, just the step that Jesus took. And just taking this, two, you know, this 10 days off, there was something in me of a, recalibrating back. I think we are so caught up in life and so caught up in our daily things that Wednesday's community and Sunday's church and through the week we work and study and things like that, that it's, it's so special that we can sometimes just pause, take a little bit back and like gain perspective. And I think as I was standing there in worship, it's like, Lord, you 
you, you, you bring these people together that we can just come together and behold. Come together and worship. Come together and enjoy you. And I was so reminded in, in, this, in this 10 days being away and preparing for the sermon. And the Lord reminded me of the day that I got saved. 22 of September, I think it was 2013. It's about nine years ago. Nine years ago, I walked into a, uh, on a, in a camp. Um, I was a part of the Dutch Reformed Church. And I didn't know anything about God or the things of God. I was actually there for girls. And I go on this camp, and the Lord rocked my world. Like, I, I really, I was a good sinner. I, I, I lived well for my father, the devil, uh, when I was a part of this world. But the Lord changed my life. And the Henry that walked in there and the Henry that walked out was completely different. I remember um, looking back now at that, even that moment, the Bible speaks about a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, and Jesus says to him that um, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven except that a man be born again. And if you look at that, it's like, what do you mean born again? And Nicodemus was perplexed, but I knew exactly when I read that scripture what born again means, because it, it was something in me that I, I was exposed to something so much more than this world, that I, I was blind, but now I was exposed to this kingdom, and this kingdom has a king, and his name is Jesus, and he, he's awesome, man, and it was just, wasn't just this God that was far distant that I studied about in a book, but it was, it was a personal God that I could relate with, a God that I could speak to, um, a God that, that went through everything that I went through, and even more, and still, he says, yes, he, I like you. Jesus doesn't only love us, he likes us as well. Eh? We need to remind ourselves about that as well. And I remember those beginning, just weeks of following Jesus. I came into a church that was very much like this. It was not the Josh Jen. Later on, it became a Joshua Generation Church. And I was looking at the people. So we had a lot of visitors. It's great to have the parents here. Oh, my, even flew from Bloemfontein after having an operation two days ago with her eyes. And Oma's oh here. It's amazing. And it's just amazing. When I walked into a church like this, I looked at the people and they were wild, like wilder than today. They were like waving flags and putting up their hands and they were shouting. And I don't know why they were shouting, but it was never for me weird. It was never weird for me. It was always like, this is a people that love their God. And I want to be amongst people that love the God because I knew what happened to me. And it looks similar in a physical act in my heart, so I wanted to join in. It was never weird. It was just something that I, I and I wasn't used to it. It didn't come of that, out of that background, and I just wanted to jump in. And I remember that first time standing in a worship and looking around, and I need to lift my hand, and I'm like, oh, how can I do this? And I'm, I'm like, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I did it. And, and I'm just like, oh, nobody's looking at me, and I'm just doing this thing, and I'm living for Jesus. And you guys are laughing because you did the same. And I was just going for it for Jesus. It was, there was just something of liberty because the only word I knew was yes. Yes for Wednesdays. Yes for prayer meetings. Yes for Sundays. Yes for youth. Yes for training time. In Wellington, we had a lot of time all night prayer meetings. I took my little blanket and my pillow and I went to church and I did all night prayer meetings and I would sleep and I would wake up and see people praying and I would join in and I would go to bed again and I would just be so in love with the things of God. I was standing once in worship and somebody came to me and pat me on the back. I'm like, hey. 
And he's like, do you want to come pray with us? I'm like, yeah, that's the Christian thing to do. I was saved about a month. I didn't know how to pray and do all of those things. They pulled me out in worship, and we're like, we're going to pray for this guy for physical healing. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> and they told me that we lay our hands on the sick, and the Bible says if we lay your hands on the sick, they will recover. I'm like, okay, great, let's do it. So I laid my hand on this guy, and we prayed, 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 and all of a sudden he put his crutches to the side. He had a big foot operation and couldn't stand on his feet. He put his crutches to the side like there, and he started to jump, and he started to worship, and he ran up in front, uh, front of the hall, and I'm like, Buru, come and explain firstly, and he's like running around and praising God, and I'm like, what just happened? Like, I'm looking at this, but physically I knew it can't happen, but it did happen in front of my eyes, and I was just like, there's something beyond us. There's something beyond just lifting our hands. And, but when we laid our hands on the sick, they did recover. And it's like, it's real. It's so real. And something in me was, I need to include people in what I'm seeing. I need to include people in that there's a kingdom. There's a God. There's a personal God. And he's healing the sick and he's saving. And there's freedom in Jesus. It was just, oh, those beginning days of just... And I, I, I really was rocked to my core when I saw that and I started to walk in the streets and look for people that needed physical healing. So I walked up and down the street. I would pray for some people and they would chase me away. And I was like, okay, great. That's also fine. Prayed for other people and I prayed for them. And I'm like, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. As, and nothing happened. Yay. But then there was those other times that I pray for people. I remember walking once over the street and there was a guy that fell off a ladder and he broke his leg and was walking with crutch in Wellington. Went to him and I'm like, what happened to you? And he's like, no, I fell off a ladder and I prayed for him and he got instantly healed in the street. I could lead him to the Lord. He could go find his job back again because he lost his job because of that. And the guy's life was changed forever just by a step of obedience of praying for people in the street and praying in the mall. And it actually happened. It was like people are getting saved as in the book of Acts. And I remember just inviting one night 12 of my friends to youth. I'm like, guys, there's this God. And there's these people. And there's this church. And I was just so ignited to my core of the things of God. And I remember praying. And um, it's a long story, but I prayed for a car. But I had like this deal with God. I'm like, God, if you give me a car, I will evangelize. I will pick up people. Don't tell my mom. I would pick up people, uh, random strangers from the, from the road. And I would, as, because I lived in Paul and I had to study in Wellington. So I drove in and out between the two towns. So I picked up people and I would preach the gospel to them. So I did that for a couple of weeks. And then this one time I picked up a guy and afterwards I found that he's a part of the, one of the gangster gangs there in Wellington. Uh, I always said I'm half colored. <laughs> I really, I, I, I love that culture. I love, I just love those people. And um, I picked up this guy that was a part of the gangs and I, all of a sudden I'm starting to preach the gospel because that was my deal with the Lord. Started to preach the gospel and he seemed very hostile to me, and I'm like, okay, but I'm going to continue because I have a deal with the Lord. And I'm preaching, and I'm going, and I'm telling my story and driving, and we're on that road, and all of a sudden, he starts to swear at me. And he's like, you are only doing what you are doing and giving lifts because it's going well with you. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. And then I told my life story and that it wasn't always that great with me. And we also struggled financially, and we also, all of those things, and he, and he had a knife in his pocket. And he said, okay. So what if I stab you now, I take your car, 
and will you serve Jesus then? So in my head, I'm driving, I'm listening to what he's saying, and he's swearing at me. Um, yeah, and all of a sudden, I, I, I get the thought, it's happening. It's happening. Paul got stoned. Peter got hanged upside down. <laughs> I'm going to get stabbed for Jesus today. It's like, kumbaya, here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing. I'm going to get stabbed for Jesus. And I, I, I've, I've, I've played a lot of rugby in my school days. So my whole, I always say my mom cut bread on my knee because the whole thing is full of cuts anyway. So I thought like another one, some of the cuts on my knee would be fine. So... But somehow, the Holy Spirit came over me in that moment as I'm driving, and I look at the guy, and I'm like, stab me. Then stab me in my leg, and then throw me out of the car, and then you later on come pick me up and tell me if I still want to follow Jesus. And he looks at me, and I'm looking at him. I'm like, oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and he's like, would you take me a little bit further, and we can chat? I'm like, obviously. And I took him Deep into, into, um, into Paul to go drop him at the train station. I shared my story with him. I had the opportunity to preach the gospel. He didn't come to Jesus. But for the first time, that boldness and that hoo-ha came over me. So when Leonard says he doesn't know how he's going to react, when the Spirit comes, you react well in situations like that. But I am quite a, yeah, when it comes to events like that, it's quite fun for me. But there was just something in my heart for loving Jesus and obeying Him. And it went on one year, two years, three years. And I was just so in love of beholding Him and just living in obedience to Christ. But then something happened. Then something happened in my life that I, I want to cry again. <laughs> I, I took the things of God and I, and I looked for a moment. I didn't behold Jesus. I didn't look at Jesus anymore, and I looked at the things of God. I looked at the good things. It is gr it's great things that, the go that God gives us and that we can enjoy and live with. But I took the very things that, that, that needs to make much of Jesus, and I took it, and I'm like, this is making Enrei also much. So I, for a moment, I looked down. For moments, I looked at things like, um, and it's good things. All of the things I'm about to mention, it's good things. But it's not good if it elevates you. It's not good if it puffs you up and makes much of Henry. Like, who is Henry? Like, really? It's a young guy standing in front of a... Who's Henry? Really? And then I, I started to study theology. And as I, st I started to study this thing called theology, and I, I thought, like, yes, I'm getting quite smart. I'm getting to know the certain doctrines and the certain things about Christ and... But it made me feel like, yes, I can't reach out anymore because I don't have all the answers. So what it led me to go to find more knowledge because if I find more answers, then I can give more answers. But the more I went to go look for things later on, I didn't do the things I did at first. It didn't bother me then. It didn't bother me then leading people to Christ, but it made a passivity in my heart. And hear me out, these things are not wrong, but it elevated and puffed me up. Then I became a leader in the church and I thought, like, yes, he. now I can stand in front of people. I can teach the sheep. I'm a shepherd. They are the sheep. So if I can just get them to evangelize, if I can just get them to be a missional people, if I can just, but they're looking at me and they're like, oh, but you're the full-time church guy. Don't you do it? 
So we get in this paradox, I think you do it and you think I do it and nobody does it anyway. And we don't get the heart of the Father to actually reach out to the lost. And the longer you are in church, you get this thing called the prophetic, where people can hear the voice of God and they can speak the things of God over your life. And many people spoke things that, Henry, you would do this for the Lord and this and this and this. And the thing about calling is it's always like a one-day thing. And I thought, one day when I have this great ministry, one day if I lead a church, one day if I preach in front of crowds, always one day. But it made me in the moment to not live for Christ. In the moment, not to be obedient. I looked at the church and I became a sponge. Weekly I come to the church and I'm a consumer. I just sit here and suck in my knowledge every week and it needs to make Henry great. And then next week the same, and next week the same, because then I can become a better person. South Africa has a lot of groot christenen, big Christians. They are fat with knowledge. Fat with knowledge, fat with things of God, but they don't reach out and give of themselves. It's quite a Western world thing that we just consume and think the church is all about us. Where we miss the point, it's ultimately always and will always be and was always about Christ. There's a church, and um, yeah, I'm just thinking about it now, where there's a church meeting in the, in the book of Revelations where Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. May that never be us, that we are having a church meeting and Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. Can I come in? Can I participate with you? That we made it so much about the things of God and not about Him and just following Him and beholding Him and doing all of the things onto Him. When I was um, just, you guys find of this, I'm just sharing stories and I'm not having a very eloquent preach and things like that. It's not about that. Um, really just want to catch the heart of God when it comes to the church of being a, a, a missional people for God. And I was reading through the book of Acts uh, just in preparation for this. And I was reading about these men and women of God. I was looking at Paul and how he got saved. And as he got saved, he started to preach the gospel. And there was just such a radicalness to these people. And, but they are nameless, faceless Christians that we don't even know about always. But there was something in their heart of continually giving of themselves, continually reaching out. They were, they were a missional people. Um, the one guy that struck me so much is Philip. Um, he, he was not one of even the most prominent deacons in the early church, or he was, but Stephen was like, the limelight was on Stephen, and they spoke about Stephen and this man of God. And then this guy, Philip, comes along. And Philip was radical for God. And later on, he actually was Philip the evangelist. Uh, he was called, that actually had an evangelistic call in his heart to reach the nations for Jesus. And he was preaching village to village and seeing signs, wonders, and miracles happening um, through the laying on of hands and the preaching of the gospel. And even this one time, as Philip was uh, going to a guy, he was preaching the gospel, the guy got saved. And as he was baptizing, I hope this happens today, as he was baptizing the guy, you can go read this, it's in the scriptures, he would he baptized the guy and he got teleported immediately. To a, uh, he got teleported. The guy came up and like, whoa, he's, the guy baptizing me is gone. Got teleported to another region. And as he's like in that town, it's like I'm in Wellington and whoop, here I'm in Stellenbosch. Like, and then he just like, huh, let's preach the gospel. And he goes around and he starts sharing the gospel and he moves to another a region. So it's like walking from here to Cape Town. And he goes to every single village, it says, and he preached the gospels going around. What? 
that's rough, man. Like, that's somebody that's radical for God. And I ask, why did they do the things they did? Why did they live the life they lived? And, it, and I, I, I wrote something here just in that. They did not try to be someone great. Not one of them. I don't see it anywhere that they just tried to be someone great. There was one person that tried to be, or two, a couple trying to be great, and they got struck dead by Jesus. Um, I think it's chapter 6. Ananias and Sapphira, they tried to be great because they want to be seen to be generous. They got struck dead. But the rest of the guys that's, in a sense, famous in our here and now reading the scriptures, they didn't try to be someone great. They had a deep love for God and kept the perspective that they are a part of the great mission to reach the world for Christ. They kept the main thing the main thing. These people, in a sense, dying in World War II, um, Leonard told me about a video or a thing that he, or a story that you heard last night about this lady being a part of the World War II. These people were a part, a part of something that could potentially kill them. But they tell about these stories and about these things that were so far and so far beyond them, but that they had the privilege to take a part of this great battle. Isn't that the same for us as Christians? What gives us meaning? And I want to read us a scripture in Acts 13, verse 36. It says the following, um, and it's Paul preaching, but he has this line that he speaks about David. For David, after he had served the purposes of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his father and saw corruption. David died. But while he was living, David served the purposes of God in his generation. It wasn't his own purposes. It was the purposes of God. It wasn't his calling and his ministry and his kingship and what he could bring, but it was the purposes of God on the earth. Can we say, can I say, can Henry say that Henry served the purposes of God in his generation and then he died? Praise God for being a part of his story, history. His story. We have the privilege to be a little bit a part of this bigger thing. Can you put your name in there? Sean has served the purposes of God in his generation. Think about that. But the thing is, Henry, I don't have a ministry. What is my calling? How do I do this thing? Have you ever thought about that? I don't know, to be honest. What I do know is daily we can wake up and say, God, what's the mission today? Maybe it's loving someone well. Maybe it is preaching the gospel today. Maybe it is paying for somebody's groceries behind you or in front of you and saying God loves you and he loves to give because he gave his only son. And as you pay for the groceries saying, here's my number if you ever want to find out more about God and how God gave, there's so much more. There's salvation in no one else except Jesus Christ. And you go off. It's as easy actually as that, as loving people well and introducing them to Jesus 2 Corinthians 5.18, just quickly, I'm going to put that up. It says the following. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus Christ died for your sins so that you can enter into a beautiful relationship with him and grow in the knowledge of Jesus. 
It is actually a miracle that sinful human beings as us sitting here can be reconciled to God. But then he says, all of us sitting here, not just Henry on the pulpit here in front, but all of us have been given a ministry. It's the ministry of reconciliation, to reconcile a lost and dying world back to Jesus. Henry, but one day I'll be in ministry. No, 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 no. You're reading the Bible wrong. You have a ministry, you just need to do it. You have a ministry, you just need to do it. You just need to move away from it's all about me, but it's all about God. And this ministry is to bring more worshipers to him, more people to him, because he is worthy to be honored. There's a story um, in the Bible, Luke 15. Um, I'm not going to read all of it. But it's about Jesus actually evangelizing and busy sitting with sinners. Then the church of that day, the Pharisees came to him and said, Yo, are you eating with sinners? And then Jesus looks at them and he actually tells them one story, but it's actually three smaller stories, but it has one theme going straight through all of them. The first story is about a, a man that had a hundred sheep. The one sheep got lost, and the shepherd left the 99 to go find the one. I want to cry again. (laughs) Jesus went, or the shepherd went to go find the one. And he took that sheep and he put it over his shoulders, taking the sheep back. And there was great rejoicing over the one that was lost and brought back. The second story he told is about a person that that had 10 coins. And lost the one coined in the house. The one person or the one coin was lost in the house. And there was a looking and a search party going out for that one coin. And they found it. And there was great rejoicing over the one that was found. Then there's a story of the prodigal son. But it's actually a story of two lost sons. The one son going and, and, and just messing up his life, but he returns. And this, it's actually about his good father running to his son, bringing him back and doing this whole feast that the, the lost son, the prodigal son, has returned. But the story doesn't stop there because there's actually another son outside, the older brother looking in. And he's jealous about his brother. And the father, once again, who's actually the pinnacle of all three of these stories, goes to the the last son and says, have you not always been my son? Hasn't access to the father always been good for you and open for you and you can come? God loves to reconcile and save. There's the one sheep that was lost. We need to go find the sheep in the world. Bring them back because they belong with us. There's hundreds and thousands of people in Stellenbosch that needs to be brought back to a relationship with God. You have the ministry. I have the ministry. But it's not only out there because there was one coin that was lost in this room. There might be people sitting here week in and week out thinking that you are in the house, but you're actually lost in the house. That some of us need to wake up and say, let's get out of our community. Henry, but my calm is big enough. Oh. God's heart is always inclusive. It's always more. Who can I bring in? Who can I include? Who can I bring to my group? Everyone needs to be a part. And at the end, God included even the sons that were far off 
his heart, his hand is never too short to save those who are far and those who are near. Maybe the band can come up. I want to end with this, and then I'm going to hand over to you. There was, there was a, there was a boy that changed my life um, about six years ago. I wasn't leading anything. I wasn't. I was just a part of the leadership group in Wellington in a youth there. And one night, I didn't get a lot of opportunity to preach. So when I preach, I'm like, yes, I want to do it well for God, and I want to really. I want to. I want to see people get saved, man. And this one boy came walking in. I'm definitely going to cry because this boy changed my life. The youth group was 13 to 18. This guy was 12. Yes, he was tiny, eh? <laughs> he fit me here by my, my stomach, my nalki. And this whole evening, the, as the band went, they worshipped, and I couldn't keep my eyes off this little boy. And I preached the gospel, and I preached my heart out, and his hand went up. And I'm like, great. <laughs> I'm the guy got saved and I went to him and I led him to Jesus and it was just such an awesome moment with this guy, with this young little boy, 12 years old and a week later I was sitting in a coffee shop with him and we were speaking about the foundational things of Jesus and I explained to him what it means to be born again this world that we can partake of, this amazing gift of salvation that we can be a part of in Christ Jesus and two weeks later, I was at his funeral. <laughs> he had leukemia. He had cancer. And <laughs> he was 12 years old, and I couldn't understand, Lord, why would you take him? He's 12 years old, God. This little boy, 12 years old. And I knew in that moment that life was short. It's so short and we think it's always so long when my studies are done and when I get married and when I, when I, when I, when I. And we miss the now, the opportunity now to lead somebody to the Lord. And I think there was great rejoicing over this one boy. He had his hair back in heaven. <laughs> I believe so. He had this blue, blue eyes and he was always smiling with his cancer that he had. And I was just like, heaven is rejoicing over one of his sons returning. I have the privilege in a sense to stay behind. It would be great to go, but it's a privilege to stay behind and preach the gospel and say, one more Lord, one more for your kingdom. And I want to, in a sense, plea with us as a church, let us not become consumers of just every week sitting here again. Really, guys, there's so much more. There's so much more. When you look back at your life, don't you want to have stories of how God used you in this life? Saying, God, God, use me. Purposes, your purposes in this generation I want to come and fulfill. Use me, God. 